Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, send your spirit now to alight upon our hearts wherever we gather this day. And that through its work, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I've been reading uh, an article this week titled Leading Beyond the Blizzard. So it's an article written to business and community and church leaders encouraging us to begin shifting the paradigm, so to speak, on how we're thinking about this COVID-19 pandemic. And the image it uses is that of a blizzard. It says, you know, at the beginning of this, which for most of us really began in March, Uh, At the beginning, we sort of thought about this event like a blizzard, or maybe the better metaphor for us is a hurricane. Uh, An event, in other words, that has a fairly well-defined beginning and end. The blizzard comes, you hunker down, it dumps snow, you dig yourself out, and you go on your way. The hurricane, it, it passes through up the coast, and we hunker down, or maybe we move out for a few days, and eventually we return and we clean our yards, we repair the roof, or if it was especially bad, we muck our house out and replace the floors and the appliances and the drywall. It takes time to be sure, but eventually we're kind of back to life as normal. That's how we began in March, I think many of us, I know myself at least, thinking about how this pandemic might affect us. But this article is pointing out that that now, things are beginning to feel a little different. Right now, it's beginning to feel like maybe businesses and restaurants and and churches, it, it won't be just kind of back to business as usual, right out of the gate. So one of the stories that they tell to illustrate their point is the year 1815, the summer of that year. It's a year that is known to some as being the year without a summer. In April of 1815, on a small island off the coast of Indonesia, there was this massive volcanic eruption. Some scholars think it was the most powerful eruption in 1300 years to this date. It's the most powerful eruption ever in recorded human history. So powerful that it sent ashes and smoke high into the atmosphere until it covered the entire globe and lowered rather temperatures around the planet, right? So in Europe and in North America, that summer of 1815, there were frosts recorded in June and July and August. Uh, There was crop failures around the world. There was reported that year to have been this sort of yellow tint that just hung in the sky at all times. And the point in telling this story, of course, is that normally something like a volcanic eruption, while of course disrupting the lives of those nearby, it, it seldom seems to have an impact for those on the other side of the planet. But, but this event in 1815, it wasn't just a single day eruption. This was an event that dramatically changed the entire world, that forced people to, to adapt to a new normal. So in this article, they really wanna encourage us, uh, you and me included, to, to begin changing the questions we're asking. 
to maybe consider stop asking the question of, you know, when do we get back to normal, whatever normal is. Instead, what they want us to ask is, you know, how can we innovate? Right? How can we, in other words, here in our church, how can we be the church of Jesus Christ in a year without summer? Right? How can we lead, in other words, beyond the blizzard? You see, I think that's the question that is facing the early church in our story today from the sixth chapter of the book of Acts. Right, the early church by this point in the story, it, it's become more complex. There are two different groups that are mentioned in these verses. First are the, the Hebrews, and when Acts talks about the Hebrews, it's talking about the Aramaic-speaking Palestinian Jewish people who were followers of Jesus. Keep in mind, of course, that Jesus himself was an Aramaic-speaking Palestinian Jewish person. That's sort of what the church started with. But over time, new groups have come and joined them, including Hellenists, that other group mentioned in these verses. And, and the Hellenists are, are Greek-speaking Jewish people from the diaspora, from basically any place outside of Palestine. So some scholars dig through manuscripts and, and other texts and, and they have grown to believe that, that it wasn't unusual in that time for Greek-speaking people, uh, Jewish people from the diaspora to sometimes move to Jerusalem. Uh, others, of course, would pilgrimage to Jerusalem and they would stay there for a time. Uh, but it wasn't unusual for those who moved there to do so later in life. And sometimes when they arrived in their new home in Jerusalem from the Greek-speaking world, the, the husband would die and, and the woman, the widow, would be left there. Uh, someone who doesn't speak the language of her new home and yet is surrounded by other Jewish people like her who were seeking to follow Jesus. Now the story doesn't really tell us exactly how this problem arose, but it's clear that there is a problem in the early church here in chapter six. And the problem is that those Greek-speaking widows are being overlooked in the distribution of food. It's interesting to me though, isn't it, that, that the, the, the blame here is not laid on anyone, right? There's no finger pointing in this story. Well, it was his responsibility to take care of them or, or they should have figured it out for themselves. There's none of that in these verses. All there is is a solution that is proposed. And the solution that is proposed is to adapt, to adapt to this new world, to this new reality of a church that is not like it once was, but is suddenly more complex. And they adapt and they, they select leaders. And those leaders are tasked with caring for the needs of the people in their church. Right, for me, this is a story in the sixth chapter of Acts. It is a story about the importance of leadership in the new normal, right? Because rather than wondering, how do we get back to where we were? And in a sense, you couldn't really blame the Hebrew people, right? I mean, they're over here thinking, we're Aramaic-speaking Palestinian Jewish people. We're from here. Jesus was like one of us, not like one of them. He didn't speak their language. 
Why bother with them? Let's get back to, to the way things were. Right? That's not what they're wondering in this story. Rather than wondering about how to get back to where they once were, rather than spending their time pointing fingers and assigning blame, instead what they do is ask God how God might use them, how God might use us, how God might use you, right where they are. Right? They, in other words, they wonder, how can we lead beyond the blizzard? How can we take inventory of our current situation for what it is? How can we look for those widows in our midst and seek to meet their needs? Right? For me, this is a story about the kind of leadership any church in a new normal needs to have. Because without this kind of leadership, here's the thing, the church, the church then and the church now, it ceases to be relevant. If we are not noticing the needs that are in our world right now, not back then when things were how we liked them, but right now, if we're not seeking to meet those needs, then what are we doing? So this week, I'm gonna be meeting with uh, both our current church officers, our deacons and elders, as well as our incoming, our new church officers, the women and men who you called and elected at a congregational meeting back in January. Uh, over the course of this week, both Annie and myself, we're gonna be in, in meetings uh, with the deacons and elders and new officers. And as part of those meetings, we're, we're gonna talk about some of the planning that is happening right now uh, for what it might look like when the time comes and it's safe for us to try and gather in person uh, together. Uh, we don't know exactly when that's gonna be yet. We don't know exactly what that's gonna look like. Although I can tell you it's going to look different. Uh, and, and we don't quite know what it's gonna evolve into, right? It's probably gonna be a gradual process when we resume doing things together to get back to where we once were. But in those conversations, what I really wanna do with those leaders in our congregation is challenge them. I wanna challenge them to not just focus on the question of you know, how can we get back to doing the things that we love and that we desire to get back to doing. I want to challenge them to, to shift the paradigm a little bit at the same time. I want them to, to start thinking less about this event as being like a blizzard or a hurricane. And I want to challenge them to wonder, you know, where might God be leading us in our present? Where might God be leading us as a church and as individuals to use our immense resources, right? Our, our physical, our, our spiritual, uh, our material resources. Where might God be leading us right now to use those resources to meet the present needs of our community and of our congregation? Right? But the thing, too, is that it's not just the church officers who are the leaders of this church. It's not just the deacons and elders who, who need to be having this conversation, because the reality is all of us, 
all of us have leadership roles to play. Right? Some of you are called to care for the vulnerable in our community. And some of us do that through our vocation, through our work, the way we earn a living. And others do that through our volunteering. Some of us are, are called to, to provide food. I had several conversations this last week about people desiring to help feed those who maybe are struggling to afford groceries or who, who are afraid to, to go out. I was on one email chain where uh, a message went out and said, hey, would anyone be interested in cooking some food and we'll put it in the freezer and that way we have something to deliver if someone needs it. And within minutes, there were emails firing back, people raising their hand to serve and to lead in the providing of food. Some of us are called to share our resources. That's what we can do. Some of us are called to share our homes. I know of at least one family in our congregation that has opened their home to an individual who literally cannot get back to their home country because of this pandemic and for three, three months rather has been staying with them as part of their family and their home. We all have leadership roles to play. Some of us have set up our own phone trees where we're calling on others. And even if you don't feel like you can do any of those things, for whatever reason, there is something, there is a role that all of us can take a leadership position in. And it's the role of praying. I mean, imagine what God can do with a church that is full of people from top to bottom. Full of people who, who pray for five names every day who take two minutes and, and sit through and pray through rather five people by name, right? We all have leadership roles to play, right? We're all pieces of the puzzle. It's funny to me in this year without a summer, how many of you have taken up the hobby of doing puzzles? A few I know have tried 2000 piece puzzles. Have you ever done a puzzle and got to the end and there's like one or two pieces missing, right? We're all pieces of the puzzle. And the church of Jesus Christ and the ways God is seeking to lead us in this time, it's not complete without you. And I love what happens at the end of this story. Here you have this early church suddenly realizing that they are living in a year without summer. This group of early Christians that looks around and realizes suddenly that their world is very different, that their world has changed, that their world is more complex, that these Greek widows, they're a part of them now. And rather than running the other way, rather than just spending their time wondering how to get back to normal, whatever normal is, instead what they choose to do is lead beyond the blizzard. And the final two verses of this story tells us what happens as a result. The final two verses say that the word of God was spread and the number of disciples was increased and people came to the faith. Friends, may we lead beyond the blizzard and in so doing, may the word of God be spread and the number of disciples increased and people come to know the love of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. May it be so.